Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 50 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Uh, this doesn't sound like it's live in a building full of people because it's not. This is me the day after the night before. We had our 50th episode spectacular in the Workman's Club. Pretty much a packed house and we had incredible acts with us on the night. Um, so I guess this is the part where first of all I say if you were there, thank you so much for coming. I hope you had a great time. We certainly did. If you weren't there, come to the next one because we might do another one sometime. Who knows? In the meantime, though, another thank you. Thank you to the acts that joined us on the night. We had Windings come all the way from Limerick. We had Week of Corners. We had Farah L, who pretty much stole the show. We had Bantam. We also had uh, talks with Maykay, Fight Like Apes and Other Voices, Mick from The Galaxy, Bettine McMahon of Knock and Stockin, and Kira McGinnis from De Laurentos. It really was a packed night. And again, you know, like I, I can only just say thank you so much to everybody involved, everyone who came to the show, everyone who worked on the show, to my boys, Craig and Cullum. Thank you so much. This episode now is pretty much the show and uh, there's a couple of things on it which we can't put in for legal reasons but you know we'll get there it'll be fine so without further ado this is episode 50 this is no encore live Mr. Blue Hand Trail, how are you, sir? It's the worst nickname. That's the last nickname. He's not it is the last. Nickname. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. done. It's too cheesy. I think it's over. Um, Three episodes in, we had to change it up at some stage. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, this is episode 50, by the way. So uh, it's our first ever live show. Uh, it is an audio recording, so please don't smash any glasses or anything. And that means you, sir, in the front row. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> uh, He's yeah. going to start trying stuff. We've um, Yeah, it's been weird. Like We've kind of been doing a lot of preparation for it. I think Cullum has done the most so far. Well... 
you do mention that, yeah, I, I've done a slideshow. Uh, I felt as though, you know, a live event and audiovisual experience would be best. I also felt, though, that with recording, there were certain people that I wanted to talk to that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily want to say things out loud and sure. things that could get me in trouble later on. So I just decided that I'd take a sideways way of doing that, really. Cool. Not on record. Yeah, yeah but speaking of sideways, our preparations took a, a bit of a left turn yesterday, it must it be said. It did, yeah. It took a left turn right back into 2002. And uh, Coleman's favourite band, Busted. We went to see Busted last night. This was big yeah. news, guys. I mean, I forgot to mention, by the way, that just proof that we are a legitimate podcast now. We have fan art. Do. We have fan art, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Look at that. spectacular. A likeness is captured by Monica Carolina Kaitis, very what? kindly. She, uh, Monica, if you're here, thanks very much. Will I? Uh, awesome. I feel like you nailed, nailed my dimples and Colm's substance abuse problem. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of caffeine and beer and cigarettes in that photo, man. I don't know, it's weird. It's a bit problematic. I think yeah. it's trying to tell me something. Well, I'll tell you something. Busted last night, right? I think it took about five songs before this guy lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. I had forgotten that the song Air Hostess contains the line, I messed my pants as we flew over France. How do you not laugh at that? How, how do you forget that? I don't know, man. Did they do Year 3000? Of course yes. they did. Okay, I have massive problems with Year 3000. When you think about it, their great-great-great-granddaughter, pretty fine, oh, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It doesn't make sense a in terms of... years yeah, later. a thousand years later. She'd be dead. She'd be long dead. She'd be reduced to ash. Yeah, and what's more, I mean, like... Not much has changed, but we live underwater. That's, That's point, a significant <laughs> shift. That's the point. It's meant to be like satire. You know? Is that, but maybe it's yeah. a kind of climate change thing, possibly. Busted are craftsmen. Craftsmen. <laughs> they know what they're doing. To be fair, it was weird because like, I went to Drake on my own about a week ago, which was <laughs> an absolutely, absolutely miserable experience that I do not recommend whatsoever. I was insulted by a teenager about half an hour in. And uh, this was better, I feel. You know? Okay. This was actually good. We were front row, pretty much, <laughs> which was disturbing in itself. The weirdest thing about it was that a lot of the crowd was about 18 years old. Now, if you do the maths, there was a 13-year gap between Busted's album this year and their it's previous live one. studio photography there on the uh, big screen. But that wow. basically means that the 18-year-olds next to us who were going crazy were five when Busted were popular. And then we saw one of Jedwards. <laughs> yeah. And this is where it all goes wrong, folks, because I know from experience you don't want to get into a Jedward-related spat on Twitter. And so what does Dave do the second he sees a Jedward? I get into a Jedward spat on Twitter, obviously. And inevitably, they came at him. Whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't seen some of these. I didn't, get, I didn't get these notifications. They had a pretty amazing concert of their own last Saturday. Yeah, Dave. Okay. Yeah, Dave. Hold on, there was one of Jedward. I don't know where yeah, the other yeah, one was. I don't like yeah, this. They're not yeah, operating yeah. independently. Yeah, it was weird. It was That's weird. not right. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, a bit strange. But I, I know this because I did that a couple of months ago. I had a little joke about Jedward. The same people tweeted me <laughs> who clearly have these notifications set up, these Google alerts, whenever anybody has a go at their boys. Yeah, well, you'd be a bit more worried if there was loads of different people attacking you. Surely it should just be a small group, right? The worst bit of it was when Jedward private messaged my employers to tell them that I was wrong. Well, I think we're dancing around the question, though, of was it a good gig? I'm going to say, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I must say... I was the entire I, room leaving, but I, I understand I was that. Cynic, like. I was cynical going in. It actually turned into a slightly more positive experience than I would have expected. Dave, are you going to keep just going to gigs because, I don't know, you think you're going to hate them? No, Is okay, look, like I should say a year Dave ago... Dave does Chaz and Dave... I didn't like Dave free. does a colonoscopy. A year ago, <laughs> a year ago, 
Cullum invited me to see Macklemore, and we went to Macklemore, and I ended up on Joe.ie. I went viral. It was great. Biggest moment, really, After isn't it? After that, I went to Nickelback. I went to Drake on my own, which, again, just, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, awful, <laughs> awful. And I went to Busted because I just thought, okay, you know, it'd be good material for the podcast, be a good way to start the show. And also, you know, it's a good way of seeing three strapping young men on a stage doing a really good job, inspiring us to do the same, I would presume. No? Uh, was it a bit kind of Ghost of Christmas future? <laughs> Are we going to, like, break off and start a podcast with Mick Fly? for a couple of years and then there'll be like a Son of Dork podcast and then we'll get back together. That's actually a good point. There's a guy in Buster that no one likes and no one cares about and his whole rock star move was to put one foot on the amp during the show. Right. That was it. Like, like, like there's just like, <laughs> the crowd don't give a fuck Maybe about he was him. just resting his foot. It's weird. No, 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 no. He was, tra- he was clearly trying to get into it. Okay. Cle- clearly, if at some stage in the evening you see me doing this, it means things have turned pretty bad for me. Pretty much. Well, look, I mean, to be fair, it was an odd evening. It's up there with one of the loudest gigs I've ever heard. We were the only ones drinking, which felt really fucking weird. Like I think we were the only ones legally allowed to drink, Dave. <laughs> no, it was odd. It was like like there was like we were right in, we were in the pit. We we're in the pit for busted. Like you know, like it doesn't get more rock and roll. And yeah, it was just like this weird kind of thing of like just like the sound behind us, man. It was like a fucking jet engine. Like I don't it get was. it, but it was really good. Okay, so you would recommend and their new 100%. stuff. They did lots of new yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I wrote a, I wrote an album review of that last album that came out. You know, it's kind of knowing eighties throwback synth pop. I want to stop talking about Busted right now. That sounds appealing, doesn't it, folks? <laughs> Let's move on to some of the music we do have coming up tonight. Absolutely, yeah. We have a Busted magic pretty magic sterling lineup. Finishing up at the end of the night, uh, ahead of his performance at the Choice Music Awards the next week, we will have Bantam. <laughs> we will also be joined by the wonderful Farah L. <laughs> and in just a little bit, We Cut Corners will be performing for you. But, but to first. kick us off, but first, please put your hands together and make some noise. They've come up from Limerick. They're a fantastic band. Their album, Be Honest and Fear Not, was one of our favorites of last year. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Windings. Woo! Hello. This is slightly strange and unnerving. <laughs> it's a gig. What is it? What is it? Okay, let's see. Okay. Um, we're only three of Windings. This is Mike, I'm Steve, and this is Liam. We've left Patrick and Brian elsewhere in Limerick. They're very sorry they couldn't be here. They genuinely are. Um, so we have to compensate by making our songs slightly different, which is fine. Don't worry about that. But uh, <laughs> we brought a little backing track to compensate for both Patrick and Brian. This one is called uh, Boring. So this, this is uh, it's kind of drum heavy, and we don't have any drums at all. We're doing this for you guys. This is the shouty one, James. I tried to throw a plastic bottle at the singer of the frames. I was going through a hard time, thought he might have been to blame. I was angry at myself, I didn't want to be a cleaner. I was angry at myself, so couldn't play Cavatina. But now... I've read all the autobiographies of people way worse than me. So now I'm working on a new list of outrage because this is getting boring. Throne voice of the people, show your face. We're parking chicken shit. Throne voice of the people, show your face. We're parking chicken shit.
get on board with a bad idea from a bunch of never won nothing no ones we're the leaders of the new believers and we're gonna be as relevant as radio i'm intimidated by this new sincerity can't get on board with celebrating mediocrity Constantly searching for the next smart thing to say Now this is getting B-O-R-I-N-G Tone voice of the people Show your face Pack it, chicken shit Tone voice of the people Show your face Pack it, chicken shit Tone voice of the people Show your face Pack it, chicken shit Tone voice of the people Show your face Pack it Chicken chin, throne voice of the people, show your face. A packet, chicken chin, throne voice of the people, show your face. A packet, chicken chin. Thank you. Windings. All the way from Limerick, everybody. Windings. Amazing. Not just great music, but a really intriguing kind of like candid look into the creative process as well in terms of the drum machines and everything like that. Yeah. Dave just wants to talk to you about Glenn Hanser. Yes, I Because do. he hates Glenn Hanser. Yes. So let's just no, move no, straight no, no, on no, to no, that. No, 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 no. Okay, hate's a very strong word. It's a strong word, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I don't think you hate him, but you don't like him. Why? <laughs> yeah, I didn't like him. Um, I never met him. I, he might be nice. I don't know. Like, uh, it's just at a certain period of my life, everything that was going wrong. I pretty much blamed on him. I don't know why. He just had that face. I don't know. It's true. He does. We should probably check. He's not here, is he? Because, I mean, like, there's every chance. He might pop in about, like, three hours into it and just break out the guitar and be like, come on, we're going on a sesh. Here, look, I haven't held him back in any way through my build. He's doing fine. He's he's grand. So, like, your inaccuracy with the bottle is the problem here, really, then? No, I never got to throw. I tried to throw the bottle, but I was apprehended. Oh, all right. Which is good, really, in retrospect. <laughs> you've uh, you've kept it off social media though. Uh, like, there's no real beef going on. Like me and the Jedward fans. Like, you're not really a big fan of social media, though, are you? I don't, I don't mind social media. Really? It's like yeah. a bit of a rant there recently. I did go on a rant, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> but that's what social media is for, I assume. So I just went with it. I mean, the song itself, boring, kind of taps into that thing of just everyone has an opinion online and stuff like that. And it seems like you're not really. I mean, it, it, the cacophony of just voices does your head in a bit, yeah. Yeah. the gist of it I, I'd forgotten about that rant that's what my rant was about wasn't okay, it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I just it, got, it all got too much everybody had an opinion and, and just it's just a whole forum for opinions and nothing ever gets done ever ever it's just people shouting into this void all the time and it gets wearisome probably a good point to say that if you want to tweet about the show tonight <laughs> uh, hashtag no one live uh, tag in Steve you know like, like make your voice heard Talked about stuff getting done. Uh, your album, which was released last year, Be Honest and Fear Not, which, as we say, was absolutely superb. That was recorded pretty much over a weekend, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it was a Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, actually, we finished. Was there sleep involved? No, no. no. Well, yeah, on Tuesday, yeah. But um, <laughs> we, we knew we only had, like, um, three days. It, there was many factors. Like, we, we all kind of... This is something we do as full-time hobby, that old phrase. So... Like, we do all have to work to subsidize what, what we love to do, which is this. And we do we enjoy our work as well, in case anybody we work for is listening to this. We do enjoy our work um, a lot. But we, it was trying to get everybody together for that period of time. So we ended up rehearsing an awful lot before we went. And we knew we were only three days, so we had to get it done. And, we, and that was it. We just we had to get it done. There wasn't any other way about it, really. 
I mean, you always do something different with every record. And I think on this one, I mean, lyrically, you seem more open than ever. I know a lot of people kind of say that, but really here, you're very much in the present. There isn't a huge amount of like nostalgia that we'd get on other albums. I mean, probably crucially, like on the passing of Sega is an instrumental, but elsewhere, it's just kind of you being very open. And you, I think you've actually said you're kind of, you found it embarrassing initially to sing that to other people. I mean, how, yeah. how are you coping with it now? I'm doing grand, yes. Good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be fair, Craig, the clue is in the album title, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It was. It was different. Yeah, I, I wanted to look. There's no point in making the same album over and over again. And there was nostalgia involved in some way kind of past lyrics uh, and I didn't want to do that because uh, the older you get nostalgia is kind of more embarrassing so it's just like I just wanted to to write about right now what uh, from a highly personal point of view but not cloaked in any kind of metaphor so people can go oh look he tried to throw a plastic bottle at the singer frames but was apprehended so like they <laughs> just so it was just I'm just trying to be as black and white as possible I guess in these with these lyrics. Well, that record follows an excellent record, I Am Not The Crow, which just missed out on the Choice Music Prize that year. Because yeah. Oh, yeah, John Ellis. <laughs> like, as a matter of fact, uh, the judge who just picked a different album over you is Craig Fitzpatrick. Hold on. That is not true. I was on the panel. Weird. I love that record so much. And yeah, it was, it was not like that much. down not to enough. those two. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I have to see this coming, Craig. There's a reason why I've scheduled this live show for, for this week this and week not two weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This will be the last episode of Non-Court. We're <laughs> kicking you off the podcast, <laughs> man. It's over. It's done. It's done. I forgive you. Thanks, man. Well, actually, it actually wasn't me that had the casting vote, by the way. Just it to was. mention. No, no. I, I, they haven't asked me, so uh, if uh, Choice is judging how we're here, I am available for next year's Choice Music Prize. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Steve and your cohorts, thank you so, so much for coming here tonight. It's a Fantastic. celebration for us. It's a celebration to have such amazing acts on the bill. And all the way from Limerick once again, Windings. Thank you. Woo! Thank you for having us. Thank you, guys. See, I realised in my haste, Craig, in the opening segment, I realised I forgot to introduce you and Colm. So I have, okay, please I have to do, do that so. now. So I thought that would work as a... No? I, I don't know. You could have bigged us up a little bit more, no? Well, okay. say something nice about me. Okay, Go okay, on. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, he's suited. He's booted. He's Craig Fitzpatrick. Yay! And Colm. Come on. As he brings out stools. <laughs> it's the logistics of a podcast. We have to move some stuff around. He's gregarious. He's hilarious. He's Colm O'Regan. That was very good. That was I very good. I, I wasn't thinking about it all day or nothing, so it's good. Uh, okay, so I guess the first thing we're going to do in terms of the regular podcast is a bit of news. And uh, Longitude. Who's going Longitude? No one? Uh, presuming, no? Bit of this? It's a bad lineup. They announced it yesterday. And well, uh, this is it. I mean, it was later than Longitude have ever announced a lineup. It was as anticipated and as rumor-filled as a lineup has ever been. We were told, obviously, you know, yeah, here comes the announcement. The announcement comes Wednesday. Who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Mumford and Sons. (laughs) Gentlemen of the road, man. Ah, jeez, I really hate Mumford and Sons. He really does. Uh, And they're curating an entire stage. They're going to infect the whole festival with... And what's more, I mean, like, they managed to invite Mumford and Sons to curate a stage in the same year that Forbidden Fruit have got Bonnie Vare. It's like, that's a battle Forbidden Fruit have won pretty easily, isn't it? (laughs) Now, in fairness, I mean, you say banjo and chain, but they've kind of ditched the banjos as well. Didn't Does they that help? On the last record, yeah. they decided to be like Kings of Leon or something, or Snow Patrol. It was more a Springsteen thing. Was, was like, it? Yeah, okay. it was terrible. But also, this is, this is going to be like uh, Mumford and Sons world music bullshit extravaganza, I think, at, at this festival. So it's not <laughs> it's a real disappointment for all like people who are going to turn up with their cans of Bulmers expecting a bit of a hoedown. Like. Yeah. That might also happen. Oh. Hang on. 
See, Craig doesn't hate things. He doesn't. I'm, I'm often accused of hating things, which I think is kind of unfair. But you do hate Mumford and Sons. Yeah, he, I really didn't. Didn't you see them? Like, like in a, like I a saw them in the Olympia maybe five years ago when I was still working prop press, and I didn't give them a very nice review. Oh, I remember this. You compared them to a Guinness shit. Yeah, I said I said they they kind of you know had this brand of just kind of soulless Celtic nonsense that, and like trying to sell that back to the Irish was like trying to sell coal to Newcastle, but instead of a lump of coal, it was a lump of shit, dark and true, too much Guinness intake. Because that was my exact. It's one. a laboured metaphor. Uh, I it, was spons- it was sponsored by Arthur's Day in his defence. <laughs> yeah, nice, awesome. Remember Arthur's Day? Yeah. How did you get that through the fucking net, man? I just kept checking on it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We worked for Hot Press, and it, it was very difficult to get your opinions. Oh, 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 I hope no one's here from Hot Press tonight. We love Hot Press. No. Oh, hey. shit! <laughs> Classic I, Dave moment right uh, there. <laughs> I, uh, I loved my time at Hot Press. <laughs> it made me who I am today, so <laughs> it's all good. Talk uh, about the weekend, Dave. My like weekend, weekend. weekend I just had? <laughs> the weekend oh, sorry, you. sorry, yeah, yeah. He's headlining uh, on the Saturday. See, a lot of people were expecting Frank Ocean, and it's not happening, apparently. But yeah. there was a lot of talk that he was on the bill, that he was off the bill, and... Well, here's the thing. I mean, first of all, like, the weekend is a big enough kind of star to put on that Saturday night, and it stands alone. Second thing, of course, is that, you know, it's not done yet. There's still a Friday night headliner to be unveiled. So yeah, but don't they have to go for Tiesto because it's longitude? Like it just seems like that Friday sewn up. I don't know. Do they? Yeah, I mean, like the the lineup could definitely do a little bit of strength. I mean, who else are you looking at? It's there? not great. Uh, Skepta, Skepta's good. Uh, picture this. What the fuck? Catfish and the Bottle Men, Jack Garrett, Kate Trinata, Glass Animals. You're a big fan of Glass Animals. I do. I like Glass Animals. Yeah, yeah. they've been invited by Mumford and Sons, which has immediately made me question that. <laughs> Mac Miller, Wiley, I'm running out. I don't know half these names, and I'm a fucking music journalist. Well, like, okay, let's, just, let's stop saying names here, here and maybe talk about, say, okay, The weekend. Are we excited about The weekend? Because uh, he's trying to like make this his big pop moment, so maybe it's not the, the last best album, time to the see The last him. album was problematic, I thought. Problematic? Yeah. <laughs> it was just a bit rubbish. It was hashtag problematic. <laughs> it was a bit, yeah, it, it first four tracks. It should have been an EP. should have been an EP. It should have been an EP. What were you thinking? The, uh, Long as you, I mean, like to be fair, all I would say is I went on festival hiatus last year. It was very dramatic, and I. I Dave, was these people listen to the podcast. They know all about there this might be fucking some festival. Like, I don't know. I mean, like we've got a pretty good build. So people could be here just see week corners. They might leave then. So, like, I mean, like I want them to to get to know me. So, what I would say is, yeah. Uh, like that sounds like a <laughs> medical condition, by the way. Yeah, no, I was on festival hiatus for a year. Really yeah, took yeah. it out festival of me. Festival remorse, yeah. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, uh, we were spoiled by hot press. See, there you go. Um, in that, we were able to like stay in B and Bs and stuff. And then I had to go to Body and Soul last year in in the rain. And you a slept tent. in a tent, and you were I just like never a tent again. Tent burst. There was some fucker with an air horn walking around all the times. Like you know, it was. Yeah, it wasn't great. So that's when I dramatically retired from festivals. And this isn't going to coax me back out. <laughs> well, it's me out what? Of the way. Would you be coaxed out if the much-mentioned rumour actually came true and we got Frank Ocean? I mean, that's a yes. It's a yes, but I'd be really upset to see him in that environment because like, <laughs> it won't work. Like, he'll be on, it'll I don't want to see you this way, Frank. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see you like this. But a hip, hip, a gig. <laughs> hip-hop and R&B doesn't work so well in the bright and during the daytime. And like I know what you mean. Massive outdoor scale. And, his, and it's quite introspective what he's doing. He's introspective and emotional. You know, and like, you, know, you want to be in a dark room where you can cry. <laughs> like well, that's where Dave will be. When it didn't happen to Drake. It won't happen to Frank Ocean. Uh, to be fair, yeah. I mean, I'll go if he shows up, but, you know. Okay, so everyone won't be happy about it. I won't be happy about it. What else are we happy about this week, guys? It's been a big week for Tom DeLong. Um, Every week's a big no week for Tom favorite. DeLong, I think. He's got an award. 
Um, we all know he's left Blink-102 to, you know, chase his dreams and UFOs. And he's got an award for it. He's the UFO Researcher of the Year, which is a thing. Um, deserves yeah. a round of applause, no? Like... <laughs> Now, I don't know if there was actually an award ceremony because he kind of had this video acceptance speech, so maybe he wasn't bothered turning up to a large gathering of... But uh, this is what he had to say. I'm just like you guys. I've spent 20 years up all night reading about Roswell, Dulce, Serpo, uh, Churchill, the crashes here, Nazis building craft there, and... Antarctica and what's on Mars and what's on the back of the moon and structures and anomalous this and I mean I've done it all I know it all when he opens with Churchill you're like well okay I mean that's something that you could conceivably read about then Antarctica yeah Nazis building crafts and you're like oh you're losing me and then and then the back of the moon (laughs) otherwise known as the dark side of the moon Back arse of the moon. <laughs> I, I think mean, it's more. It it's, it's more that I'm just like you. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? Well, he was like, preaching to his UFO, you know, researching oh, right, choir. Right, so there. It wasn't I mean, for everybody. Yeah, he he mentioned the UFO community, which is a beautiful phrase, <laughs> to be honest. But like, the one thing that I have to think of is, if this guy won the award, imagine the state of the fellas who lost out. Like, if this is the best they have, you know, I kind of feel like it shouldn't be a competition. I mean, sure, we all want to chase UFOs, but. And also, don't give it to Tom DeLonge, because he's got other stuff going on. Like, the people losing out on this award, I'm thinking most of them, this is what they're really rooting for. Like, they need this award. This is it, yeah, yeah. This is, like, most of their day. He was big... Their day. Their life, I guess. He was bigging up the work of Stephen Greer, who apparently has already uh, discovered disclosure, but is not being reported by the mainstream media. So wait a Hashtag minute. fake news. He said that he has an announcement coming in the next 60 days, which sounds like a real, uh, I don't know, 60 days. <laughs> like, presumably it'd be like a new fucking Angels and Airwaves album or something. But uh, I don't know. I need you guys to come along for the ride. If you come along for the ride, it's going to be pretty fantastic. He sounds like Donald Trump. Yeah, you're right. Maybe this is going to end up like Longitude, and he's going to have a huge build-up for 60 he's days and uh, announce that yeah, his new book is going to be curated by Mumford and Sons. <laughs> he, could be the, he could be the Friday Night Headliner, perhaps. But uh, yeah, hope not. I don't know. I mean, like Blink One Eight Two would be a band that I have a bit of a soft spot for because, as we all know, I've got terrible taste in music. But <laughs> what I would say <laughs> more is on that later. <laughs> more on, more that, on later. that later. Oh, believe me. Uh, but they do have some good songs. But we learn more this week about how to write the perfect song, didn't uh, we? Yeah, or, or at least, yeah, the way that it's been done by this man. Uh, a lot of people won't actually recognize Mac, M- Max Martin, more recognize who he's worked for and who he's written for and produced for. Because the guy is legitimately the most successful music maker on the planet, um, yet had never really given an interview since he moved into that realm uh, until this past weekend. $135 million, uh, pretty much in single sales alone across the years. And if you've heard a great pop song, Chancellor Max Martin had something to do with it. But these are very contradictory. Like, it starts off, there's no golden rule. Okay, cool. Create and then he gives four more rules. <laughs> but like, then it's like, create a sense of familiarity, right? Always change yeah. the chorus, but that's instantly, I don't, I don't know. I th- this kind of made sense to me, because he says to create a sense of familiarity, and he cited I Want to Be Your Lover from Prince, which I hadn't realized the melody of the verse is the same as the melody of the chorus. So you're just essentially launching into something you've already heard, and he goes, that tricks you, because you go, oh, this is really catchy. Yeah, because you've just heard it. And then uh, switching it up, apparently, is just putting something slightly different underneath Barely, yeah, that, like kind of the bed or yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, vocals are the most important part, apparently. And uh, don't overwhelm the listener. So I think we failed on pretty much every count with this uh, podcast. Personally? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're going to write the perfect pop song before the night is out, but you never know. Yeah, and speaking of overwhelming the listener. Attention, everyone. One, one. 
shut up. Craig on Kanye. Yeah, it's the weird in-joke that hasn't ended yet. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we have new Kanye music, kind of, but not really. Maybe we can have a listen. Girl, change into that Victoria's Secret thing that I like. All right, okay, tonight you're having me your way. Perfume, spray it there, put all love in the air. Now put me right next to you, finna raise the temp in the room. First run my back like you do right now. Oh, See, now, I don't want to play the part of the naysayer in this. That's not Kanye. No, it's not Kanye. It's not a naysayer, you just... In fact, like we just wanted to use the graphic, really. I mean, that's kind of... That was the best summer ever. <laughs> it should be said that if this segment had been Craig on Kim, we'd have more to talk about this well, week. We don't have a graphic for that. Who Thank managed to bring out Christ. an Irish update to an app. Yeah, I mean, her Hollywood game app, which you all have, because apparently like 43 million people have it. Um, but she announced that you know, uh, all know that she loves Ireland because they had their honeymoon there. So you n- can now go to Dublin in the game. You can yeah, visit like Dublin. Notice that you can't go to Port Leash, which is where they actually spent their honeymoon. Clearly, Josephine's service station on the N7 didn't make it. <laughs> Did you see the graphic there? Yeah, brilliant. Kiss me, I'm stylish. Yeah, so... Or it also had, like, kind of updates of, you know, what you can do. Stuff like, you know, customise your partner in Irish clothing. Pose, <laughs> pose for photo shoots in the lush Irish countryside because, you know, who amongst us hasn't been there? And then my favourite is own a luxurious <laughs> home in the heart of Dublin. No realism whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, well, I'd love to see Kim and Kanye dumped on Sheriff Street or something. <laughs> we might. You never know. Yeah, lads. You the heart know. of town. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's is, possible. Is that the end of Craig and Kanye? I think it is. Forever? I think it might be. Whoa, 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 whoa. So... So wait, there's no more nicknames. There's no more Craig and Kanye. Are you going to show up? I'm leaving the show. (laughs) Are you going to show up? Okay, so it's very slowly dismantling this whole thing, yeah. (laughs) You'll be left with nothing. Um, But that is the end of Craig and Kanye for this week. Yeah. Very well. Okay, uh, I think we should probably get our next act out on stage. Yes. I'm with you. Uh, Next week, Colin has the arduous task, I would say, the difficult task of judging this band and many others in the Choice Music Prize. But uh, th- on their third album, The Cadences of Others, we've had them on the show before. They're honestly one of the best bands in the country. Please give it up for Week of Corners. <laughs> Woo! We'd like to say a massive thanks to Craig, Dave, and Cullum for having us along tonight. We're big fans of No Encore, so we're thrilled to be here. We'd like to say... Thanks to James on sound, who's doing a great job. Give a big up to James. Uh, We'll leave you at this one. It's um, off our most recent record, uh, and it's called Of Whatever. We fell for each other It was painful, little wonder With the claws out 
in our hands tied they left us on a hillside a boy soldier and a child bride did I just imagine it Where have we grown so dispassionate? We're happy to be the poor relation in the wreckage of a new age. There's an outage of outrage and a wave of whatever is sweeping the nation. But young love is reckless, leaves you gasping and breathless and hapless and helpless. As the blackness encroaches, We're too precious to protest Not that anyone would have noticed Did I just imagine it? Or have we grown so dispassionate? We're happy to be the poor relation in the wreckage of a new age. There's an outage of outrage and a wave of whatever is sweeping the nation. very much. Good night. That was fantastic. Thanks a lot, guys. So, uh, yeah, I guess we have to follow that somehow. That's going to be fun. First of all, let's catch up with the guys. Um, I've heard you say before that after recording an album, there's (laughs) almost like a, a honeymoon period of like, you know, a few weeks, a few months. Uh, obviously, that honeymoon is now over. So, reflecting on the cadences of others, uh, it sounds like the best thing you've ever done in your careers. Still feeling that way? Um, I, I think so. We're still as enthusiastic about playing the songs as we we were when we first kind of came up with them and stir- first started, you know, jamming jamming them out in in the rehearsal studio. So, 
Yeah, I, I think so. It's it's definitely hard to get perspective on your records ever because you spend so long making them and so long agonizing over every minute detail. But um, yeah, we, we still feel very happy with this one. Yeah. When you talk about agonizing over a record, at least you kind of had the time to do it this time around. And in the past, you felt like, uh, particularly because of the live show, you needed to kind of stack up the amount of songs because they're usually quite short. Um, but you had enough of a set list to go, okay, we have our kind of back catalogue. Now we can really just kind of breed and concentrate on this record. And that ended up involving kind of, you know, bringing in new people and kind of learning how to play with others. How did you find that? I mean, bringing a little funk with Conor O'Brien, for example. <laughs> Sorry, we have a very strict policy. We answer uh, alternate <laughs> questions. So when Craig looked at Connell there, it was like, dude, this is... This this is oh, question. my... So messed up. Uh, Connor O'Brien certainly brought the funk. I mean, that was one of... Myself and Connell have been fanboying over that man for, like, longer than we care to remember. Mm. Since he was in the immediate, we opened for them in the Sugar Club, like, 10 years ago. Uh, and it was, you know, we've been following his career, been fans of his, got to play with him, and then when he said he'd play bass on the record, we were unbelievably chuffed, and the way that he did it, he basically learned the album in a day and put down all the tracks in a session that was wine-soaked and, you know, very frantic. He was just after wrapping his record, so he was a busy man. Uh, it was incredible. And then the other collaborators, collaborators, uh, we're also amazing. Connell's going to tell you about them. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, no, we <laughs> we worked with uh, the Book of Brass, some some of the members of the Book of Brass band, which is great. Um, and we worked with a, a string on ensemble called the Fratres String Quintet. Uh, my brother is kind of the leader of of us, um, and they're an amazing sort of group of string musicians. We wanted to we wanted to push ourselves with this record. I mean, sonically and. Uh, you know, songwriting-wise as well, obviously, but but we we sort of feel we pushed it with sort of rich rich sort of string arrangements and stuff. So that was, you know, being in a, a church with with a group of musicians like that, being surrounded by by their their interpretations of your arrangements is a really special thing to be involved in. So it was really really exciting. Yeah. Now you kind of switched it up mid-answer there, so I don't know who I'm supposed to be addressing at this point. No, David Frost. It's all falling apart. Well, I might actually step in. Do. Uh, well, hang on, before you do, it should be noted. No, don't step in. <laughs> Let Dave step in. Dave, step well, in, it, please. It, it should be noted that uh, Weekhorns played an incredible show in the Button Factory last November, and they were kind enough to put us in the guest list. And there was a bit of a kerfuffle with well, that guest well, list. Well, kind of. Because, I mean, okay, well, list. what I want to know is, like, Cullum's name was besmirched, and it was, you know, mangled, essentially. But, you know, it's fine. We still get into the building. It was okay. But now that Cullum is judging you on the Choice Music Prize panel... Are you regretting that little flub, or like, what's the what's the general feeling on this? I regretted it anyway. Nothing to do with the Choice Music Prize. Obviously, I regret it a lot more now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to take a short break, so if you want to get a cigarette and get a beer or whatever, we're going to be back in 10 minutes with Farah L, so uh, please, please don't leave. <laughs> Oh, 
Okay, well, welcome to Act 2. I've been abandoned by Craig and Cullum because they've had enough of my shtick, so I don't know, it's going to be difficult from here on in. Our next act tonight, though, uh, we Cullum and I actually caught her in the Bella Bar Sporting Bantam in December, and it was an absolutely incredible set. There's an awful lot of buzz written about this next artist, and I think most of it is justified, if not all of it, but she's going to prove the rest. Please put your hands together for Farah L. Wearing me, and all of a sudden I see 
that there's an ocean in the desert and it's waiting for me. Oh, then it, oh, it hits me and it, oh, then it, oh, it hits me. When it, oh, it hits me, it makes it hard to breathe, and it, oh, it hits me. When it, oh, it hits me, it makes it hard to breathe, and it, oh, it hits me. When it, oh, it hits me, it makes it hard to breathe, and it, oh, it hits me. When it, oh, it hits me, it makes it hard to breathe. Thank you so much. Farrell, that was great. Thanks. I've just realized we're three of us interviewing everyone, so it's like yeah. we're interviewing at you. It's very strange. Uh-huh. I don't That's know. Okay. It also looks a little like a job interview, perhaps. <laughs> what do you think you can bring to this podcast? <laughs> well, I think my problem is I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> That's good. It's pretty well, Craig good. Craig is on the way out, so yes. you know there is an opening. We, we'll, we'll be all good. Cliffhanger. Um, Ma- song, Silk. Uh, it seems like that was a real kind of watershed moment in your kind of early career. I mean, it's been a while since we heard it, but th- did it feel for you like, okay, I'm now bringing together my craft that I've learned in BIM and s- stuff like that with my influences from childhood or stuff I picked up from at home? Was that kind of when you thought you found your sound, so to speak? Uh, thanks, by the way. Um, thanks, Al. <laughs> sound behavior. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was writing for years and then uh, then studying songwriting for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I guess I never did the whole singing in Arabic thing because, I mean, I didn't really come to terms with that part of myself until I was a bit older. Like, um, obviously, because I'm Irish as fuck. Like <laughs> and then, you know, I'm coming to terms with my background and kind of learning a bit more about it and... Re- Standing and not ignoring it and realizing that, yeah, I guess it was kind of important. And then, and then it was good then because I kind of knew then what what my sound was. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned studying songwriting in BIM. What part did that play in all that? In in terms of finding your sound, learning your craft, so on. I guess the thing is when you're in an environment like that and you're around so many like musical characters and then egos and then your own ego and everyone around you and it kind of it kind of shows you what's important in terms of like you know staying true to yourself definitely um and and being humble and all that but like It was pretty important actually and it kind of it kind of opens your eyes um and it's challenging actually it's definitely challenging because you're around these people and there's this like natural competitive thing that everyone does 
But like, I don't think being competitive is a natural thing about when it comes to your creativity. It's a, it's an or like it's a pretty organic thing. It, there's nothing ugly about your creativity. So when you're in this environment, it can be a bit, ooh, like this. I don't like this. You know, <laughs> this makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I think overcoming that is really important. And then you have a graduation where the edge shows up. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Did you get to hang out with the edge? Yeah. See him without his hat? I mean... <laughs> no, he didn't take his hat off. W- I'm shocked. <laughs> he never takes his hat off. But he had showers wearing that hat. <laughs> it's called a shower cap. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're Thank back you on the go. podcast. I'm back. Buddy. I'm back in the back podcast. The podcast. <laughs> uh, Farrah, you mentioned ego. And, like, you know, you've, you worked with notorious, notorious egomaniac Rory Lynch, a.k.a. Bantam. <laughs> You know, like one of the just the biggest heads in the game. Uh, like, you know, you're on his album. It's Choice nominated. You'll be at the Choice Awards. Yeah, like, can't wait. Uh, how was the process of working with him? And you know, do you plan on just you know making it all about you at the show? Because you know, screw Rory. Like, he's a nice guy, but at the same time, <laughs> um, oh, working with Rory was deadly. So Rory knows my brother Abe. Shout out to Abe. Hey Abe. And yeah, he he kind of was. It, the, the way the song kind of came together was was really funny. Actually, he just was like messaged me and was like, I have this track and like, I don't really know what to do with it and, you know, just like have a listen there and I was like, okay, cool and I was like, I have this idea and then I sent him the first draft and then we went with the first draft <laughs> it was grand <laughs> I was like, okay. Was when you nail it first time I guess there's no <laughs> need to worry about it anymore, is there? Uh, mention of the choice prize and, and albums nominated lead to the very obvious question of what can we expect from you over the next little while? Over the next while? Uh, a release, I'm going to release one of those songs. I still can't decide, actually. You know how I played Sunblock and Desert? Which one did you guys like more? The first one? The Sunblock one? Yeah? Okay, so maybe I'll do that. <laughs> Double A side? Uh, What'd you say? Double A side? Sorted? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a release and more gigging. And I just want to get better, to be honest. Like, um, that's all I want to do. I, I'm, I, I just want to keep getting better. I want to get better at writing. I want to just keep growing I don't I'm not in any huge rush uh, you have a couple of interesting sending gigs coming up so where can people catch you next uh, I'm playing yeah I'm playing a few few funny little cool little interesting gigs I have like the Chester Beatty library coming up uh, that's going to be cool that's Sunday the 19th um, and then I'm doing like a dinner gig in a restaurant called Shakshuka in Rathmines so that's for MSF, that's Doctors Without Borders, that's going over, um, it's to raise money for doctors going over to Syria, uh, which is deadly. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, really looking forward to these gigs. Awesome, well, thank you so much for playing our gig tonight, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, give it up again me. for Farrell, please. Well, with live music of that standard, it's a tough act to follow for the acts in our songs of the week. And we kick off, um, well, Dave, once you've, Hello. Hi. Sorry, w- I'm not on stage. once you've sorted yourself out there, you can give us a, a little bit it's of background looks, you know? as to our first song. Yes, I will. Smooth. Well, it's I think we should probably hear it first, no? Sure. Okay, so. Give it a blast. Something I can turn to, somebody I can miss. I want something to 
Okay, so uh, the first song that I want to apologize for is the Chainsmokers featuring Coldplay with something just like this. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's, it's not great. But, <laughs> but here's the thing, right? I mean, you know, it has a drop because, of course, it fucking does. But, like, Chris Martin has previews for this. Like, I mean, like, when they released that last album, I think it was called Head Full of Dreams, and it was dreadful. I mean... There was a song on there with Beyonce called Him for the Weekend. And like, if Beyonce sneezes, people go crazy. Like, you know, like, like, so no one cared about that track. Nobody made any noise about it. Chris Martin made some noise about it, though, when he was asked to explain what it was all about. He said, the original kernel was that I was listening to Flo Rida or something. <laughs> and I thought, it's such a shame that Coldplay could never have one of those late-night club songs, like Turn Down for What? <laughs> okay, so I want to know, who here has heard Turn Down for What? If you haven't, okay? If you haven't, it sounds like this. very self-explanatory why Coldplay can't write that kind of a song and but I guess this is their attempt no? Yeah I mean they've been doing this for a while first of all today is Chris Martin's 40th Chris birthday Martin day, is it? it's his 40th birthday today hey. so happy birthday Chris Martin wow he's growing old disgracefully isn't he? Like I feel like that's something to do with it like this is his midlife crisis because like that album Ghost Stories which was him ungwenning himself when he yeah you know, consciously, consciously uncoupling. uncoupling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he sa- it was kind of a sad album, but he uh, kind of genuinely sounded like he was thrilled that he was leaving her. And now he's just like hitting the club, and he's like, "I'm gonna, you know, make some music the kids like." <laughs> I don't know, but this song. I mean, I was looking for a way into EDM, and Chris has opened you up have the bar. Found, found it. it yeah. There are amazing lyrical steps in this song, though, where he talks about like Achilles and Hercules to Spider-Man and Batman, your natural Venn diagram there of sort of Greek oh, folklore and comic books. But then his, his own line of, I'm not looking for a superhero. It's like, mate, your last girlfriend won the Hunger Games. <laughs> your wife was married to Tony Stark. The, your track record completely disproves this. I think you're getting confused with fantasy and reality there, Colin, but that's all right. Wh- sorry, can someone please explain to me, when did the Chainsmokers happen? Like, like, I feel like I missed a meeting. I was, don't know, ha- but they the happened. hashtag selfie? That was their first single, hashtag selfie. They should have been shot. <laughs> and what's more, they've kind of just done the same song again and again and again. Shocking. That's EDM, man. But actually, the really interesting thing about this Scene. for me is it isn't like the Chainsmokers featuring Chris Martin. It's Coldplay. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, Johnny Buckland does like a solo, which he just does now. It's like, you know when you just have a rapper on a track, perfunctory, just doing nothing for no reason? Johnny Buckland is now that in his own band with the guitar. Like that, started no, 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 no. Guitar. that started with uh, Every Teardrop is a Waterfall, which actually isn't <laughs> a terrible song if you strip it all away, but that guitar is just obnoxious. Like, I'll kind of make the case for Coldplay as he can make a good greatest hits. I can name you 15 good Coldplay songs right now. Don't do it. 15. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I can't name you 15 Coldplay songs right now. <laughs> but I can name about seven. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll get back to you. Uh, let's have our second song. This is Calvin Harris <laughs> featuring Frank Ocean and Migos. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? I might. Put some spot. Whatever comes, comes too clear 
Now, this is the really awkward part where I have to confess that I finally like a Calvin Harris song. I think this is great. I think this is brilliant. Uh, what impresses me most is that when you've got three pretty big artists, because Migos are really like blowing up in the States right now, when you've got three artists of this size, you feel as though they're probably going to get in each other's way, and they don't. This song flows incredibly smoothly, and going back to what Max Martin was talking about, just all those little tricks, changing the chorus a little bit, giving a familiarity to have hooks running through the song, it kind of ticks all those boxes that you want for a good pop hit. And this, I guess, proves as well that despite what people said after the release of Blonde, Frank Ocean is not going to be averse to making bangers as well as the sort of introspective music that we got on his actual record. Yeah, and he's got no label. He's not being forced onto anyone else's record, so he's clearly just doing this because he wants to. Um, but Calvin Harris is kind of the perfect artist where... Like, oh, I'll stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> we all, no, 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 no. We all heard him say it. There's a sound bite to be taken Calvin out of Harris context next week. Is the perfect artist. I was going to say, where you have this has been no encore. <laughs> Thank you so much I, for coming. I, out. I, I feel like we really. Where he, where they're doing a collaboration with someone you actually like, and you're not worried that he's going to ruin it. I was going to say because he kind of just rides whatever wave of popularity is happening in terms of sonic stuff. You never really go, well, that's a definite Calvin Harris sounding song. So like this is just a tastefully done kind of has that tropicalia thing. It has some funk in it, and it's you know it's it's it just sounds lovely. I mean, it's some Fender Rhodes or some 808s. It's it's. What do we think song. of Frank's performance? Not phoned in. No, not phoned in whatsoever. It's great. He's like a captivating guy. And it, he just inverts that Calvin Harris thing. It just becomes his own song. And Migos sound great on the end of it. Oh, yeah, I like it as well. The other thing, of course, though, is that Frank's delivery is so languid and laid back. Like, would we notice if he phoned it in? How could you tell? Yeah, um, I guess that it's that like, oh, Frank Ocean doesn't sound like he's putting a ton of effort into this. Because <laughs> that makes it like every other song. I'm going to say it right now, guys. Sound of the summer. It's March. Sound of the summer. Do you think it's really going to beat out Daft Punk? There is a bit of that. Yeah, there is a bit of that. But I think his vocal gives it something extra because it is that jaded thing. He doesn't sound like he's like he's at the party, but he's not really enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought of that. (laughs) You'd run with that. I do feel like it should be released in the summer, but uh, no, it's a five-star pop song from me. Five stars. You said perfect artist. It's like a four-star pop song. It's like a (laughs) four-star pizza. Let's not get into this in front of the crowd. Did you have to do this in, uh, in public on your la- last show? Fuck's sake. Okay, who remembers the drums? This is what they sounded like. So that's a 2010 surf pop hit. Uh, what's it called again? Forever and Ever and Then, I believe. You're a big fan, there. It's a you? tune, it's yeah. It's a tune, it is. It's Craig Fitzpatrick's favourite, but this is what they sound like now. They're back. getting 
too much from the script there, but a lot of fun. A return to form. Craig, this was your band, I believe, for about all of two weeks. Back yeah, they weren't my band, but I liked some of their songs. Like um, that video with that dance he does up the steps. Yeah, your yeah. man Jonathan Pierce, well, he was kind of like the Future Islands whole phenomenon. Like he did that on Jonathan Ross about seven years ago, guys. Um, but you sound so jaded. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? They were never that great a band, but they just had really, really good influences, and they sounded a lot like them, so it was fine. Do you know what I mean? They slagged off you too, and then that was the end of them for a while. So. Really? Do you yeah, think yeah, there was some nefarious, like Adam Clayton was just like, these guys, get rid of them? I, I won't publicly comment on that, especially as we're quite near the Clarence Hotel, but okay. yeah, it's fine. You know, you two can, we can live and let live, guys. We can have our podcast. You can have your millions and millions. Of, uh, Colin, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll butt in there to save you from a lawsuit. Um... I mean, you just said yourself, like, they were never a great band. And when this is so similar to what we've heard before, it's like, you know, that whole thing of insanity being repeating the same thing and expecting different results. This isn't going to be a song that people readily recall a little bit down the road, yeah, is but it? But they, they kind of are, like, catchy songs. It's, it's just Jonathan Pierce by himself now. Yeah, I think he just recorded everything by himself. So everyone's left him, but he's still doing the same thing. And I kind of like it because it sounds a bit like Orange Juice and it sounds a bit like The Cure. And it sounds like Parquet Courts. It, well, it does, yeah, very much so as well now. And uh, like he kind of wants to be Morrissey, but he can't quite write the lyrics. So he'd write something like, you were my best friend, but then you died. Like that would be his, oh my God. So he's always kind of grasping for Morrissey. I'll, dreadful. I'll, tell you <laughs> what I'll, I'll tell you what it sounds like. The summer. That's what it sounds like. It's the sound of the summer. The album's called. <laughs> You're all about the fucking. The album's called Abysmal Thoughts. And I don't know, man. I think that's a bit of a. Yeah. Do you know, I don't know. They kind of like. Uh, uh, they sound good enough to fool me into thinking sometimes they're good enough. They're like an Urban Outfitters approximation of a better band. Okay. Uh, I feel like we're not going to do any better than that. So let's have song number four, please. It's Papa Roach. What is left to say about Papa Roach? Uh, what I would say is this is coming off their upcoming 10th album. Papa Roach have 10 albums. What? I bought two of them. Of course you did. Of course you Also did. your choice. My misspent youth. You loved the last song that came out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The EDM track they had? Was that them? Was that Smash Mouth? Smash Mouth. What was the last Papa Roach song? Uh, Crooked Teeth? Don't I feel like we did it on the we podcast on the about podcast three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> Shock Horror, Papa Roach in 2017. Aren't really I love the comments under this song because everyone's just like, oh yeah, so after Linkin Park came back with some shit and betrayed everyone, Papa Roach have sorted it all out for us. Finally, we've got someone bringing the rock. Well, yeah, but like they're, again, they're just bringing exactly what they did before, aren't they? And yeah. that, that's the thing here is that like Linkin Park, give them credit, they at least like attempted to shift scope. Not that they did it successfully, necessarily, but they tried. Papa Roach, not so much here. Well, frontman Jacoby Shaddix, that's, <laughs> that's Jacoby Shaddix. His name is Jacoby How Shaddix. Why is he not playing in the NFL? Is it not Jacoby? Oh, sh- don't ruin the fucking... I, was <laughs> I just mentioned it now you've said the name three I was times. Trying, <laughs> I was trying to do a thing. Well, his quote is, uh, it's got a little element of some old school with some new school, and I'm just excited for everyone to hear the record in its entirety, because it takes you on a ride. I'm rapping on more than half of the record, 
And then there's tracks that are just all over the place. So that was the first. Unsold. Yeah, that was yeah. the f- that was the first thirty seconds. By the way, I think Max Martin would love this song because they open with the chorus. It's got all the right dynamics. It's pretty, you know. It's it's a that's a shit song. And it's such cracking like box ticking exercise as well. It's just like teen angst one oh one. Just sort of like mention some hell. Yeah, but apparently on the rest of the album, Jacoby Shaddix is going to be rapping quite a lot. So we haven't heard that yet. Uh, that's so something to look forward to. Now. Well. Can we look forward to the midnight release tonight, guys? Ed Sheeran's new album is on the way out. And he did a special kind of weird studio acoustic thing. This song is called A Razor, and it's our final song of the week. Your typical day for someone like me Without a nine-to-five job or a uni degree To be caught up in the trappings of the industry Show me the locked doors, i find another use for the key And you'll see I'm well aware of certain things That will destroy a man like me But with that said, give me one more Another one to take the sting away I am happy on my own, so here I'll stay that was a long 30 seconds. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. Well, it's um, going to be a long night for the people who are right now queuing outside Terror Records, who are opening their doors at midnight for the release of Insurance third album. I am in my arse. <laughs> <laughs> His album's called Divide, sticking with this whole maths thing that he does. Can't wait till he gets to like logarithms. That'll be great. <laughs> Sin cost Tan, the LP triple album. Um, this, I mean, this is this is Ed Sheeran all over, though, isn't it? It's it's like you know, it's got that kind of personal stuff. It's got a little bit of rapping, a little bit of soul singing. Can I shock you? Tell oh me. My <laughs> Sorry, go on. You love it. I like the song. <laughs> wow. Now let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay, because I don't like Ed Sheeran. Uh, I don't want to throw hoppers on the bus around again, but uh, they rejected my one star review back in the day, and you know, rightly so. Fair enough. But what I would say is this: uh, the reason I think it's all right is because. I feel like you kind of get to know him a bit on this, and he seems like an all right guy, and he seems to have a lot of demons, and you know, doesn't really come across because a lot of li- a lot of the songs he writes are just very kind of you know middle of the road. You know, teenagers will be really impressed by it, very angsty, and this is angsty, and it's also it's all over the place. It's ramshackle in, in a kind of an interesting way. So I went in expecting to absolutely hate this, and I kind of was like, you know what? It's not bad. It's not good, but it's not terrible. You know, I'm kind of w- I'm kind of with you, and I'm Put that on the poster, Ed. I fully agree with the idea that I mean, you kind of give it a pass just because of the guy he is. I think we all know by now, like he seems like a genuine bloke. Nobody has a bad word to say about him. So that when he writes a song like this, you kind of give the benefit of the doubt. But this is a real like, what's his music like? Oh, he's such a nice dude. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's, like, that's, that's his entire brand. Though. After the last song. Which kind of you just feel like he's hitting every mark. Like here's the oh, I'm yeah. sexy song. Here's me looking back over stuff, and this is him being real or something. Even like this is his, if he was in Eight Mile and he was going to like a rap battle. This is what he'd be spitting. And he's like, I like fried chicken. I'm not preaching like a Reverend Run. Like this is what we're listening to. Yeah, and there's a Damien, there's a Damien Rice the shout out in there. there. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, of course. There's, there's a moment where he talks like Damien Rice is dead, and he's like, I hope Damien Rice would be proud. I'm playing Wembley. Damien Rice would not be proud of you playing Wembley <laughs> because he's a grumpy, grumpy man. He could also be in the audience, Greg. So just pl- please, please, please. Damo, get up here. Bring Glenn. Well, look, the one thing I can't wait to find out <laughs> the one thing I can't wait to find out about this album is is the Galway Girl a cover or is it Ed Sheeran original? We have put hours to wait to find out, Dave. So, Well, actually, I'll leave you with this because uh, I didn't know this and, you know, like Lady Gaga has her little monsters. That's her pet name for her fans. I'm sure there's plenty of others. I, this stunned me. Ed Sheeran fans are called Sheerios. <laughs> That's quite good. That's not quite good. <laughs> no, I'm, gi- I'm giving that credit. I like that. 
Okay, right. Uh, that was the songs of the week, so... Whoop! And uh, you can see furniture and people starting to enter the stage beside us. Uh, we said that we would invite some friends along to talk it out to close out the evening. So please welcome, uh, starting right beside me, uh, from Knock and Stockin' is Patine McMahon. <laughs> from Fight Like Apes, The Galaxy and Other Voices, Mary-Kate Garrity. <laughs> from The Galaxy, Mr. Michael Pope. And from our own Revisit podcast, and of course, Delorentos, it's Kieran McGuinness. And the Galaxy. This is the co-anchored No Encore Conclave. <laughs> I'm just calling it the Co and No and Con. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's actually, we have to give it its full title because it's been sponsored by Bob Blah Blah's Law Blog. <laughs> I can't believe you got through that. Where Bob Blah Blah drops law bombs. What features. So yeah, so that's where we're at for this evening. Um, the word roundtable was right there, you know. Like, <laughs> you didn't need to go. Just out of reach. Okay, we have something we have to get out of the way. Uh, we, ha- we had a deal that if, if she said a certain phrase, we all had to say the same thing. So it was... What features? Fish pasta. Fish pasta. <laughs> Codswallop. And mine was shit, shit farmer? farmer. Shit farmer. Okay, fine, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hello. Okay, <laughs> it's good to get that out of the way. Just we should I was not nervous have been more unattended with the rider <laughs> in the green room. I just wanted to be more challenging than that. <laughs> Cullum, I wish you luck corralling this. Why am I being thrown under the bus here, Dave? This This is is your show. You named the thing. Like, you know. That that was my work. I thought that was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just beginning. Mekay, we've obviously seen you on other voices for the past few weeks. Recorded a few months ago, granted, but how was the experience? Um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like, it's, it's a ridiculous thing for me to be involved in, in fairness. Like, to suddenly um, be the band that we're on stage and finding it pretty interesting to be on stage and pretty funny to mess with people who were on the other side of that to suddenly be the person who was allowed to... I mean, the questions that I would ask people are ridiculous. I presume I won't be asked back. And <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard it here first. You know, I mightn't be. Um, but, like, the, when we first played with the voices, we... Um, <laughs> now the man's done, I suppose it's funny to say this. Um if you watch back our performance of Let Me Your Face on the Voices, you can see Jamie walk off the stage really excitedly and me burst out laughing because um, there's like a fake velvet veil on the wall, which Jamie thought was a door, but it wasn't. It was just a wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie's like, you know, eh, and then he just walks into a wall. And it's really, it's you know, it's a nice thing to see when you're pissed off with your bandmates to see someone just walk into a wall. Um and we had a really amazingly fun night uh, as well that night. So it was kind of weird to be asked back <laughs> at all. Um, and it's weird as well to kind of be in a position to ask other musicians when they're not allowed to walk away from you. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> do you get that a lot? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I yeah, do. Yes, she does. It. Yeah, I do. Um, but it is. It's mad to be able to say to somebody um, when you want to show them that you respect them. Um, and you're in, uh, and you also want to show them when they're in a position to to promote their own stuff on camera. You want to make sure that they can do it in the best way that they can, because that's what I would like them to be able to do. But I'm still a spa, so I'm still there going, "How are you? And what do you want to say?" 
about yourself. Your stuff is cool. Especially, well, especially when you, when you're kind of in the band that you're interviewing. So yeah, I had to interview the Galaxy. That was weird. <laughs> that was stupid. Um, but yeah, that was fun. Uh, but what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned the idea of kind of bands promoting themselves, and I think it, it's every season that Other Voices comes back, it seems to reignite this debate of like, you know, is there enough done on TV and in Irish media to support bands in the music industry? Mick, where do you stand on that? Because, like I say, it's one that seems to be going and going for years. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like uh, we we kind of spent so long kind of digging out, digging our, our own kind of way through stuff. That when the opportunity's been like that, that we've been, it feels like we've been around for a long time, but you have, yes, yeah, very, very old man. (laughs) 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 Can I just say that literally, we were were fighting for the whole week of other voices until we got there, right? I wasn't fighting, I was fighting with you, yeah, yeah, I was. (laughs) So when we got there, we we, it was like, we were like, it's gonna be okay because she's interviewing us and she's on stage, but we're fighting, and then it was. I can't believe you went there. <laughs> we okay. were not fighting. <laughs> I was Mick fighting, yeah. said some stuff, you know, and we <laughs> all fine. say some stuff, I'm and that's I'm fine. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I get worked up. I'm a hothead. But it was I'm gorgeous because I, w- I walked into St. James's <laughs> Church to the open arms of Mick like this, and I went in, we hugged, and it was fine. Um, but, like, that was the first, like, we've been a, a kind of a fixture in Ireland or in, 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 in like, you know, around this island for couple of years but that was the first time we'd ever played there so it just kind of shows you that um despite the fact that we that we felt like that we achieved a certain stage there's always kind of li- little kind of medals we can pin in our chest you know so you know i thought that once we were g- able to play the olympia you'd be able to cross over to a certain audience or a certain crowd but you know it's it's the opportunities don't always present themselves so other voices for us was like it was actually the last gig we've played sit on like we haven't played a, gig, a show since then and it was kind of worth the wait really you know it was unbelievable but going onto that stage as well like that that um space in st james's church like walking onto that stage as either a presenter or a band um one of the crew um calls it the leveler because number one um there's no like sweep backstage door to go in. You all come in through that little tiny window you where you actually have to be like <laughs> to get in that window. So no matter who you are, if you're Mel May, if you're Mumford and Sons, if you're wherever you are, you still come into that little window. And when you go onto that stage, you're still big or small band. You're still going out to this little like what seventy seater downstairs. Yeah, it's, it, and and like they have that TV lighting, so it's, there's, there's no like strobes or kind of like you know kind yeah. of stuff. It's it it's it's we knew what 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 our plan was, but the weird thing was, especially for other voices, is that you speak to the producer beforehand, and they kind of need to know where you are at every point in your set, you know. Which is so I was sitting there for about an hour and a half saying, and for this verse or for this line, where are you going to be? And I, I found that really kind of like the antithesis of performing you know it was really it was really diff- <laughs> i was like how am i supposed to know where i'm going to be but hey. but in a w- but the, the my point was if you watched if you watched it last week that i i found that completely exhilarating as in the idea of like having your your marks or like you know where you were supposed to be and i think in that respect like as a experience for an irish band experience for a performer it was and it was like the one of the most elevated experiences of my life. I've never known anything like it. The church itself, that tiny room, that stage, the, the everything about it, and even th- the fact that it's it's very um, you're so 
every every part of your body's firing because you know you only get one take. I mean, I think did Glenn Hansen get a second take? No, I would say probably. Yeah, no one gets Glenn, a second yeah. take. Glenn's second take Hansard got a second take. Can I just <laughs> say, Imelda May got a second take, and it wasn't her fault. We messed up on our end, so and Imelda can have as many as she likes. So <laughs> I mean, I think spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Kieran, haven't done like a lot of the revisits. Listen to some great Irish albums over the past twenty years or so. I mean, there's as much great stuff happening now. Are you frustrated that a lot of it just isn't getting heard? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I, I don't really know what people are listening to a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get constantly surprised that people are listening to music that I think is terrible, and um, <laughs> and I get frustrated yeah. that the people are listen to don't listen to stuff that I think is amazing. Um, so uh, I, I, the one thing about the revisit um, podcast was just listening to stuff and realizing, uh, I guess, how amazingly good stuff that I never given a chance could be and also <laughs> you know when you listen to something like the Pogues from 1988 or something and um, it can be just as exciting as you know now to a new listener as it, as it was for a f- what bands do you like at the moment what are you what are you, what bands are you well, I'm listen to to, asked to play in the galaxy because everyone else seems <laughs> to <be going>. hey <laughs> 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 no I mean uh, the current uh, choice uh, lineup is, uh, is is absolutely brilliant um the the prize lineup. I felt a bit bad for uh, Bellex One. I thought they should have been on it, but other than that, I think it's an absolutely brilliant uh, lineup. So, well, as we said before, it's always a good complaint when you can sort of point out who's not on the lineup, isn't it? But you know, well, it's amazing because um, I think uh, you're at the point now where the the you can make an an entirely different uh, t- list of ten, which would be you know just as good. It just it's just a taste thing. Once it gets that kind of level of of talent or whatever, um, you're just it's just taste. Just it just depends entirely on you know, someone giving something a second place or someone giving something a fourth place, you know, this seems like, you know, you know, uh, it's, uh, your number one didn't, is that right? No, 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 my number <laughs> four didn't. Didn't, okay. Yeah. Because we had a, we had a chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not g- <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to, uh, what we're allowed to say, but. Say we'll it all. Next say week it, say it all. I, I would say, I would say everything. <laughs> I've got to hold my tongue for a week and then, then I will reveal all. He did say just go Everyone back here in two weeks. <laughs> Oh, so it's literally this time next week that people will know who won it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Okay. So you're going to hold your tongue for what reason? Because I'll get in trouble. I'll get given out to by the organisers. Um, you talked about kind of giving a platform to a lot of those bands that are out there. Obviously, between that's what Knock and Stockin's been doing for a decade. Um, was it challenging, particularly at the start, to kind of pin your colours to that independent music mast? Yeah, like I think, um, I think the reason, like the, the main reason, Knock and Stockin started was uh, at that time there wasn't that many platforms and there was a lot of like there was Oxygen and there was the big festivals, but it was really uh, increasingly difficult for independent Irish artists to to get a, a, a slot at one of those festivals. So that's why the festival started. It was started by a bunch of musicians, kind of saying, "Well, if we can't get to these bigger stages, then let's create our own stage." And it's kind of it's crazy because you kind of watch it over the ten years growing, and and it was kind of like why we were able to kind of this year say we're going to take a break after ten years for a year because we were like God look around us there's so many opportunities now for um for independent artists and there's so many smaller festivals popping up and 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 like that like other voices and loads of other opportunities for acts to go out and grab and that's that wasn't there ten years ago so we're definitely seeing. You know, it was challenging at the start, and most people were like, "What's the, what, we know no acts on this lineup," you know, and that was kind of 
but that was kind of almost drove us to kind of do it more it was like well you know you need to come to the festival and then seeing acts that started out at the first you know the first couple of years and going on to do great things and that's that for us is is what what drives us to do it you know so that's kind of where, where we're at i mean when you started the festival y you kind of saw a gap there and there wasn't a lot of kind of independent acts being put on now we're at a point where there's almost an overload of festivals every summer i mean how you're taking a year out now and kind of uh, reassessing stuff i guess how do you kind of i guess n the way knock and stock and sun is they've always had kind of knock and stock and acts there's a real kind of identity to festival which you don't get at others but is that kind of what you do you try and carve out your own niche in that way has it become more difficult or do you kind of welcome the not competition? I think the main thing that we've always kind of uh, is the, the core of our ethos is that it's it's about a community, yeah. and it's about it's about artists supporting themselves and, and each other, and kind of you know and just kind of helping out. And it was really amazing to see in the first couple of years of the festival because there was bands were that were playing the festival were building it, so it was it that's kind of then it means that everyone has an ownership over it and everyone kind of, you know, we used to have this saying, no, you're a festival. You know, it was like, no, you're a festival. So it kind of, it kind of like the ethos is there and it has that community and it has, you know, if someone's like, oh, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to build a stage. And I'm like, well, do that, you know, like do it. And like, like let's create this together. So that's kind of, it, it, I suppose our identity is kind of, it wasn't difficult to kind of carve out because it kind of came naturally within the community and it kind of just grew organically like that. And, and yeah, I suppose, like there's other festivals out there that that would kind of, ha you know, have a cross section or a different kind of niche, and and we just kind of stick to what we're doing and supporting um, Irish musicians mostly. So that's. I'm kind of interested in terms of like albums upcoming because there's Neil the Galaxy album on the way. You're about to kind of go into the studio for Delarance's album. I think you've actually already started for Delarance's album number five, and I mean, you know, other voices. You get a bump. Obviously, Mary Kate is kind of a permanent live member now. You won the choice. That's not like confirmed. Well, sorry, you know, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, it's fun. I've it depends okay. on how they get on. Really. She TBF. Under normal circumstances, still this is the moment where we go, sorry, producer Alan, edit that, we're going to do it again. These are not normal circumstances, Colin. I'm just curious as to what kind of pressure that brings. I mean, like, you know, Mick, you're on other voices. Like, you know, I was at your Olympia show and Halloween was amazing. The crowd seemed to be getting bigger. So I know you put so much into that second record. What have you got left over, really? Is that kind of... Well, I mean, in terms of our new record it's um we decided to make a like a studio album as in they weren't songs we'd ever played live which is how usually most bands kind of learn their trade they play the n their new songs live but in terms of um where we are now and kind of like what's the question <laughs> <laughs> how's the third album going you look gorgeous dave, dave, <laughs> dave yeah, yeah. cheers thanks so right so here handsome dave handsome dave handsome dave. dave um yeah it's kind of Taking time off or taking like a stepping back is kind of it's terrifying to a lot of Irish bands because we're kind of in a very kind of weird ecosystem here where you know like you know you kind of feel like you have to be touring four three or four times a year around Ireland and stuff like that like but what I've learned recently is that if like it's not the worst idea to give people a chance to miss you you know and it, it can be really hard for a band like because if you're not playing live and your album's recorded w literally what do you have to do M write your thir your fourth album you know so it's really it's 
Should I write my phone? Should you know? Yeah, I, so, but is there a level of that like, for you, given that knocking stocking has obviously taken a year oh off God, for the first time in a decade? I don't know what to do with myself right now. I'm just like I keep. I uh, keep having days where I'm just like, oh God, the website, I need to get the, like, the sub- uh, submission form in or something like it's just, uh, there is, like it's like a, you're mm-hmm. on a, a, an automatic thing. But I think, and like when we were making the decision of, of taking a year off, like people were like, why are you mad? Like these other festivals are going to come in and take your spot. And we were like, well, no, like we're still knocking stock and we're still, g- we're coming back and, you know, it's still us and our fans will, will want to come back to us. And, you know, Glastonbury takes a break every four years, you know, and it's like, well, we think that we... You know, it is good to take a break, and I think it like, I like I keep saying this, and I'm like, oh god, it's such a cringy pun, but I'm like, we want to take stock. You know what I mean? To take like you need that, like you know, it's like you need that kind of break to kind of go. Well, what like you know, there's a lot of musicians. I was saying earlier to the guys, like there's a lot of musicians as part of the crew, and like Graham is like writing like every day. He's like he's written something like 28 songs since December, and he wouldn't have done that if he was like you know knocking stock and knocking stock. And so it's great to kind of see people know come out with themselves and do other projects and kind of yeah come back to it with a kind of fresh head on it yeah it's like i don't know what you railroaded dave's question did i no go again i'll ask it again no no no, no, i'll I'll ask it again i'll ask ask it again again. michael pope uh, your campaign is the momentum of a runaway freight train (laughs) (laughs) why are you so popular It's just, I just, my, my point was that it's, it's, it's difficult for, for Irish, for bands, and, and I think more particularly bands who are in a very, on a very small, in, in a, with a very small kind of country to sit on their laurels for a while. It's, 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 it's difficult, and it's very, and it's very hard on, on like, we want to get out there and play live, I and mean, that's how we feed off our audience, and we feed off the reaction to our music, so to actually not have that, and to just, uh, uh, but when you have kind of like just a creative environment, but that you've actually that's spent we we spent six months last year just in the studio like just writing or writing and recording our album with a producer and so who else was there when you were writing the album Mary had seven songs on her album we could (laughs) we we, we cut it down to six (laughs) she didn't like that didn't like that. <laughs> she liked that at all. They regret that forever. There was this one song, the seventh song. They regret Kira, leaving that like one out. You, mu- you must feel it. Like, it, it, it ha- take me off the subs bench, coach. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> but, no, it's, but tell, but <laughs> tell me, like, it, it's it's hard to step away sometimes. Am I wrong? Um, we have had the most mental two years um, trying to write this album. Um, I have a I have a two year old now, and um, writing. Oh. Biology. I was going to make a my most successful release joke, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. I think you just. <laughs> but yeah, since then, trying to write uh, trying to music is uh, is different because it becomes very you know there's two hours between seven o'clock and nine o'clock every night and. I get go to the back room and I spend that time <coughs> writing. So it's it's kind of funny. I walk around, uh, I walk around the town, pushing her in the pushchair, singing into my phone ideas and stuff. So people probably think I'm the crazy guy. Um, so um, yeah, but it's it's just become a very very different process, which is just more much more organised. I don't know about how anyone else writes. Uh, I don't um, I don't uh, know anything about how anyone else writes. I should probably find out, but. Um, for me, it's just suddenly gone from being really spontaneous. Oh, I've got an idea. Let's go into the studio to 
between this and this time I'm doing this. I can't do that next week because I have an appointment and I have to bring her to do this and I, ha you know, I can't do crash on the I Thursday. So it just suddenly becomes, it's, it's for me, it's just become a very, very different process, suddenly. My mum's a writer and I remember going away at one point with the Fire Like Apes guys and, you know, went away for like two weeks to a house in Granard and um, uh, coming back going, yeah, you know, like, it just didn't work out, you know, just like nothing came to us, you know. And I went back to my mum and I was like, um, yeah, I think we wrote like a song, I guess. I'm not sure. And she was like, what do you mean you wrote a song? And I was like, I think we just wrote a song. And she was like, you're away for two weeks. And I was like, well, just nothing came to us. And she was like, yeah, because that's what I say to my editor with a deadline. Nothing came to me. <laughs> and that's why I'm still an amazing, uh, you know, writer now is because I just said, nothing came to me. So just, so for me, it's, at that point, I did start actually kind of going, I suppose I have to write stuff down no matter what and just kind of, even if it doesn't work out, you know, just to actually put it on paper. And I think, yeah. Most, more often than not, we threw it in the bin, but just actually write shit. Oh God, I wish I hadn't thrown it in the bin. <laughs> so it, was it, was, it would be uh, funny. And maybe your, for you guys maybe right your, your band will still be together. <laughs> Good. I was just going to say the hardest thing the hardest thing about um, I think uh, the process that me and Mick <laughs> stay with it stay with it <laughs> free bar downstairs okay so um, the hardest thing I think uh, for, for people writing beyond what they've done in the past because I think the first couple of albums that you write you're writing off instinct and maybe you're kind of refining as you go but when you've written a couple of albums um, then you have to change your process and it becomes this thing where you simultaneously analyse what you're doing at the same time as you're creating what you're doing and sometimes that is just isn't a, it's just kind of a funny process in your head of how to actually do that, it's a new process whereas before you just create loads of stuff loads and loads of stuff and decide later if it's good when you're kind of guessing about what you're doing and, and looking at, at what is happening it suddenly becomes a different process and I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's the same for you Mick <laughs> Sorry. <just laughs> anyway, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Okay, look, uh, Kieran McGinnis. I think you saved uh, our segment there. There was a bit of you know, kind of grim pallor kind of coming down. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the new anchor, no anchor, co anchor, conclave. Uh, how do you, you say it? Man? What the <laughs> fuck? Thank you. Awesome, man. My foot's gone to sleep, so I'm afraid to put all my weight on it because I feel like <laughs> I feel like uh, don't end the show like this, Dave. <laughs> I feel like it'll snap like a twig, and I, I don't know, like like what happens then? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Well, good. the show isn't going to end, to be fair, but our bit kind of is. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's okay. That's about all. Went well, it's good well, for okay. a first live show. Yeah. Yeah. We We do have one more act though tonight. Again, another choice nominated act who will play us out this evening. He's the amazing Bantam. While he gets ready, I just want to say seriously, like, thank you so so much for coming because like this was our fiftieth show. Like, we've no real idea, like, you know, what to expect. And you know, it's not that it was stressful putting on, but like, I I really wanted people to come, and the turnout's been fantastic. And I really really hope that we we gave you a good show. Uh, like, it's it's first time I've been on a stage in a few years, so you know, it's just been weird. The, the past few weeks have just been filled with stories of Dave going, dude, I've played in bands where no one came to the gig. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
uh, I was in a band called Sites Distorted we have an excellent album online by the way if you want to <laughs> sitesdistorted.bandcamp.com check it out First Light it's a really good record uh, and uh, actually yeah I should say uh, happy, birthday to, happy birthday to my brother David O'Brien who worked on that record and pretty much wrote the whole thing himself it's his birthday today and uh, yeah seriously but, like this was my yeah this was my very very long window I was saying genuinely genuinely thank you so much this has been a lot of fun and I've had a great time. I hope you guys have too. There's no need for that, mate. There's just no need for heckling, you know. Like, I was trying to do a heartfelt thing here. It's from the heart. But uh, Rory Bantam, as he's sometimes known, is going to be coming out on stage now and playing some tunes. Woo! So, you know, while... Yeah. Just before we get you to play a few tunes to play us out, um, obviously, as we mentioned before, Choice Prize nominated next week. Um... Fantastic album. Tell us about the actual creation of Move. Jeez. Uh, it's a long story. Like the, um, I've had these tracks for about two or three years, um, but I didn't know what to do with them until July. Um, but er- everything kind of came into place with Loa um, and the track Take It that we did back in February last year. Uh, that really just gave me a boost to work on more tracks. Um, and through that, like... I'm always kind of getting in touch with musicians around the country. So, like, the Russ and Gano family, you know, I've been talking to them for the last couple of years, even before the Russ and Gano family. Um, and that just came to fruition, really, in July. Farah, as, as she um, said earlier, like, I'm friends with her brother, Abe, who's been harping on about her for the past um, couple of years, and I've always been ignoring him until uh, <laughs> until last summer when I was, I was blown away. I heard Silk. It was the first track that she played tonight. It, it's, it's on her SoundCloud. You can just go and check it out. Um, I was blown away by that, so I just got straight on to her, and we had a track done within two days. This was all in, in the space of two weeks in July. Um, you know, I went to London to meet my cousin, Dave, who introduced me to his friend, Adam, who sings as Wiseman. So um, um, I told him I had a demo, sent it to him. We had a track done in two days. Um, that was it. Like, but... By August, I had the bones of an album. How do you feel about Colin Regan judging you next week? That's what I want to know. Just seeing Colin Regan judges everyone all the time. Like, it's it it <laughs> sort of a weird thing. Okay, so we're going to get ready for, uh, for Bantam set here. There might be some tables being moved around. I'm not entirely sure what the, what the process is there, but we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, so uh, once again, I want to say thank you to every act that came on the stage tonight. They were fantastic. Uh, the crowd have been fucking brilliant, and I've had a great, great time. Thank you, Craig and Colin. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Seriously, so much. And... Uh, <laughs> What I would say though, seriously, stick around. If you've never had the chance to see Bantam before, he's like he's a fucking wizard, man. So like, do stay and have a great time. And uh, I'll be out in the crowd in a few minutes to for beer. have a beer. So let's do it, man. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You. Thank you. So that was no encore live. Uh, did it capture the spirit? Who knows? We may never know. It could be one of those mysteries. But it was an, it was an amazing night and a, an absolute pleasure and a privilege and a great way to mark our 50th episode. If you're new to the show, stick around. So much more to come in the future. I'm really excited about this podcast. I think we've come a long way in a short space of time. And once again, I can only thank literally every single person for being there and everyone who's supported the podcast so far. We'll be back next week with... a. Cullum giving us a kind of a weird on-the-ground choice music prize report and a review of the new Ed Sheeran album. So Cullum doesn't have to do that. Lucky him.
perhaps. Subscribe to the show if you're new to us. Uh, we're on iTunes. You can get us on Spotify Mobile, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't get us on your own podcast network, let us know. And we'll uh, we'll sort it out. Leave a comment, leave a review, that kind of thing. We want to hear from you. So to play us out this time, we're obviously going to have to go with one of the highlights of the night. And uh, again, friend of the show, this is Bantam with Farrell and Feel It Out. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore Live. There will maybe be another No Encore Live someday. We'll see. Thank you for listening.
Thanks, everyone. Big thanks to the No Encore lads. You've been amazing over the last year. Thanks so much. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.